0: Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 188. Welcome back, Maniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope everybody is gearing up for the holidays. This is going to be our second last episode of this season and this year. We'll have one more episode next week, and then we're going to take a short break before we head into season number seven next year. So last week I was in Las Vegas. It was my second time going to Las Vegas. The first time, though, was really quick. It was just kind of like a day and a half uh stop over on a road trip that I was on and this time uh, I went for a few days um and I mean Vegas is Vegas <laughs> but I went to as you know uh if you've listened to this podcast I'm a big U2 fan they're my favorite band of all time and currently they've got that residency going on in the Las Vegas Sphere which is kind of the I mean if you've been on social media in the last couple of months you I'm sure you've seen footage of it it's this massive sphere in the middle of the city that fits about 20,000 people inside and it is basically a digital screen uh, around the entire outside and then uh, most of the inside. It's almost like a giant sinosphere. And you two were the first band to get a residency there, and it is phenomenal. It's astounding. You're just like kind of in awe by the visuals that are happening all around you, not to mention you have what I think is the greatest band on the planet playing in front of you, but accompanied with these like magnificent visuals, it was one heck of a concert experience. Feels like one step into the future on on what like the future of of concert experience or interactive experience would be like. And U is just the first act to be in there. So uh, you know, as time goes on, I'm sure they're going to discover all these new things that they're going to be able to do with these visuals. And for me, as a U two fan, it was it was phenomenal because the last time I saw U two was in 2017, and it was. Part of their Joshua Tree Reunion Tour, you know, which is debatably U2's best album. It's one of the greatest albums, I think, ever. And it was this amazing show. And I remember thinking, Ugh, maybe this is maybe this is the last time I'll get to see U2. You know, best to leave it on on this high. You know, they're also getting up there in age now. So I thought maybe that was going to be my last U2 concert. And then this Sphere thing got announced. And I thought, well... I think I'm going to have to check this out, and I'm sure as heck glad I did. And man, U2 sound as good as ever, so, so shame on me for thinking they they might not. And it was especially cool for me as a U2 fan because this residency is based around the anniversary of the Actung Baby album, which is a phenomenal album. You know, overall, maybe Joshua Tree is their their, their best album because it has the strongest singles, but beginning to end, I think it might be their strongest collection of work. And I hadn't had a chance to hear some of those songs live, so that was really cool for me. So if you're at all able to, I would highly recommend uh, getting to Las Vegas to see you 2 while they're at the Sphere. They're, like I said, my opinion, the greatest band of all time, combined with this new wizardry of science. And so I think their residency got extended now until the beginning of March, so you still have a little little bit of time if it is something that you would be into And speaking of great bands, uh, we've got an amazing band on the podcast for you today. So let's get into today's episode. Today we are joined by Eric Hawk and Kyle O'Quinn, who are the guitarist and keyboardist of the band Portugal The Man. And I've been a fan of Portugal The Man for at least a decade now. But of course, they're the geniuses behind that huge hit from 2017 called Feel It Still. And I met up with Eric and Kyle at our Toronto venue called History. They were doing two nights there, and what was really unique about this episode, certainly a first for me on this podcast, but the band were having matching tattoos done that day. So they had an artist from Toronto, his name's Hunter Robinson, come in and give them tattoos right at the venue, which they were having done literally while we were doing this podcast. And so you'll hear for at least the first half of the podcast, Eric is doing most of the heavy lifting in the interview because Kyle is literally being tattooed at that moment. And so that was a unique experience. And the guys are are the nicest guys. They really look out for each other and, and their crew and their team. I can't think of a nicer group of people. And so I had a great conversation with Eric and Kyle, and I was very grateful for the opportunity. Portugal The Man also have a new album that was released this year. It's called Chris Black Changed My Life, and you can find that wherever you get your music. And if you happen to be new to Portugal The Man's music, well, then we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment. So I'm going to pick out five songs that you could check out before or after this interview. You can also find a couple of these as well as a selection of my picks across all the episodes on the Adamantium Recommends playlist, which is on Apple Music. So check that out as well. Uh, to start off this list, I usually like to kick it off with something new. So from that new album, Chris Black Changed My Life, I'm going to recommend the song Summer of Love. Then from their 2017 album, Woodstock, I'm going to recommend that smash hit I mentioned. It's called Feel It Still, as well as the song Live in the Moment. And then going back to their 2011 album In the Mountain, In the Cloud, uh, which is actually the album that got me into Portugal, The Man. I'm going to recommend two songs. The first is called So American, and the second one is called God It All, This Can't Be Living Now. And that's it. But I only picked five songs off of three albums. And Portugal the Man have nine albums in their discography. So if you like them, there is plenty to listen to, and they are awesome. And chances are, if you're listening today, you could be a Portugal the Man fan already, in which case you probably don't need those recommendations. But I thank you for sitting through that. If it is your first time tuning into the Adamantium podcast, first of all, thank you so much. We are so glad to have you here. We hope you enjoy today's episode and that you might want to tune in again someday. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow The Adamantium Podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter or X at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching The Adamantium Podcast. And that's all I've got to say for now. So without further delay, I would like to introduce you to Eric Hawk and Kylo Quinn of Portugal The Man right here on episode 188 of The Adamantium Podcast. I hope everyone has a fantastic week. Enjoy those Christmas parties. Uh, Enjoy the holiday spirit. It's just the best time of year. Spend some extra time with your loved ones. God bless you all. And we'll see you back here again next week for our final episode of season number six.
1: can we get more tattoo gun
0: well that's I mean that's where we're gonna start this interview because we're sitting here backstage at history in Toronto uh, with a couple of guys from Portugal the man and they are getting tattoos as we speak
1: this sounds like uh, the beginning of the article that they write in Almost Famous. Yeah, there you like, go. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a mid-level band struggling in the that heart That is space, one of my favorite movies. End. So, Absolutely. I thank you
0: for... I love all the references that you're you're picking up tonight. We are so. a
1: pop cultural uh, catch-all. You know
0: what? I, I know that because I remember one time you guys were here. I went to one of your shows. I think it was at the Phoenix. Yeah. And I you guys... I Incorporated Dayman from Always Sunny yes. in Philadelphia into the set, Boy. and I remember I was with, I was standing around a bunch of people much younger than me, and I was looking around like, is anyone else getting this? Is you anyone
1: else picking this up? Know, <laughs> like, we we may have fully jumped the shark with that. We had Charlie Day out with us. We were lucky enough to have him jump on stage with us at Hollywood Bowl this last amazing, summer. and he kind of did like a six minute long Benny and the Jets esque <laughs> version of That's it.
2: Jumping the shark.
1: Well, no, I'm, yeah, saying, I'm saying once you go there, we like, yeah, we teched with it today, but, like, I don't know how you talk that. Yeah, right. But oh, then, so you guys you guys still throw that in there sometimes? we still, we still dabble, yeah. Okay. But, like, once you do it with the man himself, on right. um, the Hollywood Ball stage... Think
0: now that we've been talking about the electric mayhem, I think we got to throw a, like, a Can You Picture That in there oh, somewhere. Oh,
1: Can You Picture That? Yeah, yeah I no, love absolutely.
0: it. I love it. Um, okay, so we're here, we're getting tattoos. Tell me what was is this something you guys do normally was this was it something special it's, for it's, today or
1: what, it's become a bit of a tradition with hunter robinson here we, we we uh he was he was grateful enough uh to come out when we were last here with alt j okay rented him out for the whole day got ourselves all tattooed with a uh, tattoo with a bit of artwork from one of our artists Cleon peterson okay she now lives in the Northwest and. Uh, Got a lot of first timers, their first tattoo on that day. How many did you get was, out there, Hunter? Oh, I think it was like twenty-four. tattoos wow. in one day. Wow! On the backstage. So, yeah. And it was some people's first tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think yeah. Uh, a lot of alt J guys, you know, they're uh, uh, they were they were blank canvases. So, okay. Yeah. Why a lot not? Of play,
0: a lot of space to work with. So. Uh, so this isn't just like exclusive to the band. It's the crew. It's everybody's. Yeah. Well, okay.
1: I mean, it's pretty rock and roll. And right?
0: are they? Are they? Are they? Are you guys getting matching tattoos or is it kind of?
1: Well, we got a little flash sheet here. Uh, okay. Well, let's use some radio magic. Um We've got a, a
2: Signified tour
1: tat Yeah there's There's usually a tour tat Right now uh, I think most people Are doing a variation On our most current oh, logo nice. Um But you know yeah. You're you're only limited By your imagination Gotcha Do you, do you want one today?
0: I mean that sounds pretty rad Necks right? and knuckles are free man Nec- Oh okay Alright Yeah. I think my mom would love it If the next time yeah, yeah, I showed yeah. up the, A Hunter, neck or a face tattoo <laughs> Hunter
1: what's your rule on that? Does he, does he need yeah, to call yeah. his mom first? Yeah.
2: Just don't tell them where I live in Rome. Yeah. So yeah, Hunter,
0: you're based here in Toronto?
2: Yeah, I work at Adrenaline, Tennessee. Adrenaline, gotcha. There yeah.
0: you All right, so let's talk about let's talk about the new album. Yeah. Um it's it's Portugal Man's ninth album altogether. Yeah. Um it's really cool because it's called Chris Black Changed My Life. Yes. And uh it's a tribute to a late friend of yours. And so I thought, let's open it up. Tell me, tell us a little bit about your friend. Tell yeah. us about him and and um, what he was like and, and how he influenced this album.
1: Chris Black was the most, just the most amazing man that any of us had met. He was our age, um, but he just felt like he had lived 10 lifetimes and collected mm-hmm. notes along the way. He was just bigger than life, gave the best hugs in the world. He was, a, for lack of a better term, he was our hype man that Okay, we had out on the road. Um, not, none of us in this band are very, how the hell are you doing out there? Kind of guys, Mm -hmm. we're not really like the, the rock and roll stage speakers. Chris black was fearless in every capacity. And by every extension of that word, he was fearless. So he would just go out and he would give us energy and he would hype us up. And he was, you know, just like this, this beautiful source of light in our lives. And, you know. Uh, was incredibly funny, um, could operate in so many different sorts of humor. He was earnest, he was warm, but he would also be as sarcastic as you've ever heard anybody, um, as cutting, but also just genuinely, you know, genuinely warm and, and wonderful. So... We lost him uh, in 2019, and he had toured with the band a, mm-hmm. a number of times. Was so. he a musician as well? No, or? no, he just came out with a microphone and we okay. us up.
0: And so, how, we did, you guys, how did you guys meet Chris in the first place? Gosh, Kyle, you know
1: how we met Chris?
2: Yeah, we met through uh, our buddy AJ Rojas. A G Rojas, mm,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, he, and, he
2: directed like the Modern Jesus music video, right? Right. Yeah. Chris was also a director. Chris was a film gotcha. yeah. and a
1: director too. So he was from LA, and yeah, yeah um but yeah it was one of those deals no he didn't he didn't play anything he racked a little he had bars but mostly he cool. just wanted to come out grab the mic and do all the things that go along with you know being in a band except for play yeah yeah instrument. that's funny. what <laughs> i what i really
0: liked about this too was it kind of gave you like by paying tribute to a friend of yours it, it opened you guys up to interaction with your fans by asking them who you know who has changed their life yeah. and I noticed John's has done quite a bit of that on, <laughs> on social media and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's made us all kind of just like think about the people that are around us and mm-hmm. with, with Chris, it happened so suddenly that, you know, we didn't get a chance to to say goodbye. He mm-hmm. knew that we loved him and he loved us mm-hmm. and there was, you know, so much mutual love and reciprocity, but we didn't get to say goodbye. And yeah. didn't, I never got to tell that guy what, him being around meant to me and meant to all Mm -hmm. of us he gave us so much confidence to do what we do you know like i think collectively we're a pretty anxiety-laden bunch i Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of nervousness and you know we've we've all been doing this a while but none of us are really like look at me crave Mm -hmm. the spotlight types Mm -hmm. and chris was Mm -hmm. so he 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 gave us you know he gave us those wings to be able to go in the room and hold our head high. And you know?
2: I would, like, talk to fans afterwards, and I'd be like, get your ass off the bus. They want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah.
1: He would encourage us to, yeah, to yeah. You know, be more public-facing. Right. And, you know, that's, that's invaluable.
0: Of course. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, tell me a little bit about one thing I've noticed come around on this album. Actually, it might have come around with, what Me Worry might have been the first appearance, but tell me about the Tank Dog mascot. <laughs> yeah,
1: Tank Dog was a What Me Worry thing. Uh, tank Dog was uh, drawn up by by John, our singer, and Wes, a guy that I went to high school with both these guys. Um, half the band is from a little town called Wasilla, Alaska, mm-hmm. myself included. And I met Wes in 1993, and I think he was the first dude that I ever knew with dyed hair and definitely the first guy I ever knew that could land a kickflip. You know, not, not <laughs> yeah. a lot of, like, smooth pavement in Alaska. Uh, yeah, yeah, no he was, kidding. He was up there shredding the gnar harder than anybody else. And uh, he was just, yeah, uh, our, our sick-ass artist friend. He was the first keyboard player of Portugal, the man, um, for the first album. Um, and, again, one of those guys that didn't really play music, but he was such a cool presence and such a cool guy that, mm. of course, he's got he's to gotta be in the band. Um, but, yeah, Tank Dog, you know, he's, like, kind of a classic anthropomorphized little cartoon buddy with a, with a gun for a nose. Yeah. A love gun, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's a little bit of just, you know, a little bit of the sardonic hypocrisy and imagery of, you know, a friendly forward facing cartoon character that reps this band with a, anytime he's looking at you, there's a gun pointed at you. It's uh, kind of a, yeah, yeah. kind of a heavy duty little dude. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Um, I think, Possibly my favorite song off the album is a song called Summer of Love. Yeah. And I, I don't know I specifically have a question about it other than, you know, <laughs> what was inspiring that song or like what, what, you know, or the melodies, especially because the melody is really cool. Yeah. I mean, we had talked
1: kind of a lot going back with, you know, with Feel It Still, you got 1966 and you've got the year and it really kind of like there was sort of the stick before the carrot on that. Mm-hmm. You know, once we had it in a song, we really. Thought about what that what that period of the civil rights movement meant mm-hmm. to the world and society. You never finished it.
2: You, that that you know, influenced it? influenced it. Oh, what influenced it? What's hey, that? Hey, kid, rock and roll.
1: Yeah, uh, rock on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just thinking about that that time of singing songs and carrying signs and uh, daisies in the in the in the barrels of guns being pointed at you. It's a uh, yeah. Just finding, finding optimism in dark times. And it certainly feels like we're kind of right back in that period of civil unrest and definitely mm. a lot of competing ideas, but you know, love always wins. Yeah. Optimism I mean, always wins. Awesome. I, I love that song too. That was one of the ones we lose a little bit of objectivity within ourselves, but that was the first song I played for my wife where she was like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh that's,
0: that's really cool. One. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, you know, and anything anything with a smooth sax line in it too gives okay, it some bonus yeah. points, you know.
1: Ian roller so, doing you the doing the squeals, yeah. Amazing. No, I, I love that. We, we you know, there's a lot of music that we listen to backstage, and we were just listening to Baker Street by Jerry yeah, yeah. last night. <laughs> One of just, the most classics just talking about lyrics. what a big ass saxophone solo computer yeah. was song. But uh Careless Whisper, man. Careless <laughs> Whisper. But there's a song by Ween called The Party. Okay. And the party of <laughs> Weed is just all that. It's just all iconic saxophone over a very smooth vocal. Amazing. And, uh... So yeah, the the fact that we just got a shredded yacht rock sax solo yeah, yeah. in our in our single makes I think it makes all of us really happy. It made me happy. Was like, I met Zach. Like... I met Zach, our bass player, in Wasilla Middle School and he was playing saxophone in the jazz band. So yeah. I think it definitely made him happy too. So,
0: so tell me tell me a little bit about Wasilla because I, I I think you might be the only band I've ever met that comes <laughs> from Alaska. Yeah. And, well, I looked up Wasilla. It's got a population of, like, less than 10,000 people.
1: Yeah, and, when, and, and it's kind of gone through a bit of a boom. When we were kids, it was, you know, more like 1,500, 2,000. Which
0: is wild. Like, tell me what it was like forming a band in Wasilla and trying to get yeah, music I mean, out. And, like, I, I can't imagine I mean, there's much of a scene. <laughs>
1: no, you're looking at it. It was, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I had a band called Section 8, Zach had a band called The Dependable Letdowns, and that was kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> and we would play wherever we could, there was, you know, coffee houses, and we used to play the uh, the old armory, kind of where the, yeah. you know, the U.S. National Guard would keep really their, like... their arms, I mean, it sounded terrible, it's <laughs> a, literally a concrete bunker, and we'd yeah. hang the parachutes up on the side of the walls to try and deaden, deaden the echo, but yeah. it didn't really work. Um, we didn't know that was weird. Right, it's right. All, That's all you knew. It's all perspective. And, you know, we would do things like watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and be like, the hell is a neighborhood? Yeah. You know, because everything's just so sprawled and spread yeah. out. Um, we are fairly, you know, we were fairly close to Anchorage, but it was still an hour through a road that was usually covered yeah. in ice and snow. I think you know it's not so different from like a small town Canadian upbringing. Right. I think there's probably a lot of similarities there. Very similarities. There. Yeah. Having having driven you know the Trans Canada a few times and the Alcan Highway certainly mm-hmm. more than a few times, it's it was just you know one of those communities, yeah. one of those towns that yeah. you know the hottest ticket in town any given night was like a high school football game, right, or like a local production of something. So. To be in any kind of band with guitars and original music mm. was a little bit of a revelation, you know. Even though we definitely sucked.
0: I, but I, so then, at what point did you guys realize, okay, we can make a career out of this, you know? Oh, like not,
1: not, not until like had you
0: moved already, yeah, not, or
1: not until and did you're you guys, well out of Alaska. And it, it really was living in a in a community that had venues that would have touring acts come through. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't anyone in this band being like. Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. It was it was seeing the the, the test case of okay. bands coming through in beat up bands playing for pizza to right. 75 yeah. people, just enough to make just enough gas to get to the next town. Right. You don't really think of that as being a possibility in Alaska. No. Yeah, yeah. Not quite no, frankly. Yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, it, it was. So you
0: guys had already moved. Oh, you yeah. happened to be in a band together yeah and then and then you kind of realize okay we can make a go of this
1: yeah it was i mean it was the northwest the northwest Mm -hmm. like you know kind of kind of like the midwest or new england or anything like that there's there's kind of a network and there's you know uh there's there's just a network of great venues and great people and like-minded players and stuff so yeah yeah, you just you, you you pour yourself into that and off you go so
0: so, I think it's so cool. I think I read somewhere that that uh, John lived in some areas that you actually needed like sled dogs to yeah. get you to and from, which is
1: yeah, he hundred percent. Did um, it's it's pretty wild too. Like you, going back to asking about Wasilla, there's a few different kinds of Wasilla just because it's such a sprawling place. You know, a couple thousand people, but covering an area, you know, the size of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. It's just really sprawled out. So like Zach. I found out later, like, oh, we're all from Wasilla, and John and I were drinking well water and warming up our water by the fireplace for baths, mm-hmm. and uh, Zach had cable. Yeah. <laughs> like, you had MTV? Yeah. Like, I didn't have MTV. We listened to AM radio. Wow, man. wow. So, it was, I mean, it's just one of those places that you go a couple minutes deeper into the woods, and it just looks a lot different, and John and the Gorlids li- certainly lived farther up, than I did, and I felt like I was on the edge of the world. Yeah. But yeah, it blows
0: my mind as someone who's born and raised in a city of 6 million, you know, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think at one point the gorleys had more than a hundred dogs. Wow. Um, Mushing
0: dogs, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Uh, The first time I heard Portugal, man, uh, was in FIFA 12. Uh, with a song called got it all this can't be living now. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was the, the song introduced me to Portugal, man. And I've been a fan ever since. Um, that was about, I guess, like seven years or something like that into your, into your, as you guys making music decade into your career, you guys put a song out called feel it still, which introduced thousands and thousands of new people to the band. What, what was that like for you guys already being a band for that long? Yeah. Was that kind of like? Did it feel like a breath, a new, like breath of new air for you
1: guys? It was wildly surreal for everybody in the band, and I think especially for people around the band, um, like all of our family members. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the, all the moms seeing, you know, there was a little something for everybody with mm-hmm. that song, and you really run out of superlatives at a certain point. Of but, course, um, yeah. Seeing it, you know, run the gamut from. The, t- the, the ladies on the Today Show in America, yeah. you know, singing karaoke to it. to uh, And this is early before pop radio picked it up. Just like the initial sort of tells that it was going to be something mm-hmm. much bigger than what we were used to, used to fielding. It was the Today Show. It was Miley Cyrus lip syncing it mm-hmm. with Jimmy Fallon on the Tonight Show. It was Lars from Metallica on his podcast being like, this is my song of the summer. You know, just yeah, like these. Wildly unsuspected doors that had never opened for us before, um, in, in any capacity. Um, it still boggles my mind. It's, I, I, I think, I said a few times when we would give interviews about Feel It Still that you know, I'm not gonna know how to really speak on this thing until I'm removed enough from it that I can have some perspective right. of what it actually was. Yeah, and I still don't. Uh, it changed our lives and gave us sustainability, but we were, you know kind of all road dogs and tours before that, and, mm-hmm. you know, we will be afterwards. And it it, it was definitely a moment of, um, you know, just an unbelievable doors being opened and allowing us to get to places we had never thought were possible, like Radio Disney and Kids yeah. Pop, and, yeah, you know, yeah. massive commercial crossover success. It's so much bigger than what we do. And I don't think that we ever had any, you know, Delusions that we were going to stay in that pool forever, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but it was certainly, a you mentioned surreal, even dip in our toes in it. Yeah, you
0: were mentioning even like late night shows. I think you were you played every single late night show, and I think sometimes with yeah. like an orchestra or like a yeah
1: yeah you know, I mean, choir and yeah. We we tried keeping it fresh, and we definitely I, when it came to feel it still. I like, I I don't think we said no to anybody right about anything. Like you want us to do it on on your program or. Uh, I think,
0: too, that that probably comes with, you know, your- being a, a band that, you know, has has been a band, you know, like someone who comes across having a hit right away might not appreciate it the same way. Yeah. I- I you know, I mean, like, you know, someone I, I don't like to use the term, but it has, say has a one hit wonder or something and they're thrown into that immediately. I'm sure it's got a different kind of perspective. Oh yeah, I mean, you know? if
1: that if that had hit when we were 19 years old, we might all right. be terrible people. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think yeah. I think you need to. It, we always joke about you know the get rich slow scheme of right. like dragging it out and doing yeah, it with yeah. the love and doing it impoverished and yeah. doing it in bands. That's super super important.
0: Do you remember a show you guys did a free show here in Toronto? I think I want to say it was 2012. At uh, Young and Dundas Square, which is kind of like yeah. in the middle of. I, I, wouldn't,
2: I, have, that. I yeah.
1: wouldn't have been touring at that time, Kyle was probably in the band around then. Kyle, you remember that?
2: Yeah, what because afterward. They thought somebody thought I played in Flaming Lips and gave me like 25 pounds of protein and I was like, oh no, no, stop not playing Flaming Lips. They're like, they're like, it's cool, don't be humble. Well, that was
0: it. Like, So you guys were playing with, with the Flaming Lips that night. It was part of, I think, North by Northeast. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the craziest nights I've ever experienced downtown cool. because Radiohead were in town the same night wow. and it was the night of the, the accident where the stage collapsed at yeah. Radiohead. Oh my God, yeah. That was the same night. Wow. And... What people said was that, you know, Radiohead and Flaming Lips kind of fall into the same category. So everyone from the radio, because the concert had never started. The stage collapsed before the concert happened. And everybody that was going to Radiohead went to Young and Dundas, which is like our Times Square. It's just like an open space. And everybody from that night went to that show. And it was you guys and the Flaming Lips. And it was one of the craziest nights I've ever seen downtown. I think aside from like when the Raptors won the NBA championship, I don't think I've seen at that many people at Young and Dundas. (laughs) I see Hunter off
2: the light post and stuff there that night. Yeah, climbing buildings and stuff. So I was curious,
0: Kyle. Do you remember any of that night or?
2: I I mean I remember part of the reason I don't remember it that well is because I was having a good time. the head concert
0: came over yeah it was uh it was crazy man i remember that it was that was the first time i ever saw a Portugal the Man too that's so. killer yeah,
1: yeah we, we it's funny like there's uh zach in our band is kind of like the the class historian he remembers, yeah, okay. he remembers everything every name everything okay. I, I don't know how he does it yeah and then the rest of us are all very well new. he doesn't
2: smoke weed he doesn't smoke yeah. weed <laughs> yeah.
1: but i mean he was still you know belting the whiskey away and everything pretty convincingly so i'll have to
0: pick zach's brain about it yeah he'll he'll know
1: exactly he'll know what the weather was like (laughs) yeah he's one of those guys
0: that's unbelievable i have a i have a friend like that too yeah it's this girl i used to work with and she'll remember like an email i sent 12 years ago and i was like are you kidding me like
1: (laughs) i mean it's it's down his his dad ford carruthers who i've known since i was a little kid um he remembers every day of his life, and he starts it with, well, the, let's see, the San Francisco Giants were in the World Series that year, and then he works backwards from there. Yeah, like yeah. he remembers who won the, the World Series. Starts with sports. Yeah. That's,
0: actually, you know what, sports is always a good... I, I remember, like, every detail of every World Cup back to 98, yeah. you know, wow. which was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yet I can't remember, you know what i had for
1: breakfast yesterday <laughs> yeah i mean i i, I always had a, a sweet spot for the raptors and okay you know the Grizz and just any expansion team yeah yeah um but yeah, i was pumped when you guys got the championship Oh well
0: we appreciate that it was it was wild here in the city when, it, when sure it happened we, sure. we'd been starving for a championship for yeah. like 40 years so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Half Kelsey Ockham's a bad dude. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was good, and it was all just a matter of everything falling into place at the right time. And yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You guys have said that you know Canada holds a special place for you guys. Yeah. tell us, tell us why that is. Uh
1: I'm, I mean, I'm half Canadian.
0: Oh, okay, um, well, uh, yeah, they, my, my family do it. came up
1: through the Midwest and um, ended up, you know, getting land in Saskatchewan and moving, moving out that way, moving out west. Um, from here, um, my dad's dad was born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, lived there most of his adult life. Mm. My dad's mom was from Victoria. Um, beautiful spot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's, it's the only way to drive to the mainland U.S. from Alaska is through Mm. the Yukon and through British Columbia. So, um, you know i started dipping my toes into canada at a super young age mm-hmm. and just having respect and an appreciation for kind of what made canada Can- canadian yeah. like yeah. what differentiated us from where we grew up which looks very similar mm-hmm. you know geographically a very similar place um and i think with that kind of some similar mentality too of uh you know what space frames to you know, city light, knowing that yeah, you have yeah. these, these city islands, but just this massive expanse around them yeah. and the respect for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that, that to me is very Alaskan. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely mutual appreciation society. I know a lot of people from Canada that go to Alaska and feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, It's, it's a, a westward expansion.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's closer to us
1: than it is to yeah. the... <laughs> West Canada, but yeah, of course. Yeah. There's Western Canada and then there's West Canada. You know what I mean? Yeah, Canada. yeah, that's
0: true. It's yeah. true. Um, okay, before we wrap this up, one thing I did want to talk about is, is the charitable work you guys do because you yeah. guys do a lot of that. And uh, there's actually the PTM Foundation. Yeah. Um, tell me about some of your goals at the moment or some of the things you guys are working on right now.
1: Yeah, the PTM Foundation really came about and started getting yeah. running during COVID when we were kind of sitting on our hands. Obviously, we couldn't do a whole lot of touring and started to think about, you know, what we wanted to do with some of the, some of the influence that we had earned and some of the people that we had met along the way Mm -hmm. and kind of the biggest thing that we had been impacted by was some of the conversations that we've had with indigenous representatives around Mm -hmm. the world. A lot of that started in Australia, um, began, began growing up in Alaska and Mm -hmm. growing up close to the native communities up there. Um, and we always knew that we wanted to figure out some sort of interlay between, you know, the recognition of native lands and native representatives, um, with music and touring, um, wasn't until we were in Australia that we were really kind of smacked upside the head on how simple that can look. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, there's a, a program that's pretty streamlined called welcome to countries mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the pastiche in the network of australian aboriginal representatives is incredibly diverse mm. and incredibly rich and you know you're talking like meter to meter you might be, yeah. you know shifting cultures and on different people's lands they had a website you know you know yeah. you go on the website you say where you're at uh there's an outreach to a, you know a auntie or an uncle or an indigenous elder and you're put in touch you ask questions and Um, it goes back to well before white people were around in those lands of basically like, Hey, I'm over here. I was going to maybe do some business on your land. Mm -hmm. Um, and just an acknowledgement of that and proper welcome to country kind of, Mm -hmm. kind of, kind of agreement. Um, so we were inspired by the website, inspired by, um, a lot of, you know, the Australian recognition of the fact that they're on stolen land, and it's not their land. Um, So taking the idea that bringing it to the states and trying to, you know, do at the very bare minimum land acknowledgements where we perform um, all across North America and all across the world. And then just looking at, you know, human impact issues always through the indigenous lens, Mm -hmm. because we've we've found that indigenous people are often the least heard and Mm -hmm. the most informed when it comes to, to being on that land. So everything that we do is through an indigenous lens including you know things that you wouldn't you wouldn't think like a lot of stuff we do and what I do specifically is um down to access and in, in disability advocacy and um, a lot of the stuff that John and Zoe focus on revolves around their daughter Frances and um, Francis is you know definitely our spiritual cheerleader mm-hmm. she's wonderful she has an incredibly rare disease called DHDDS and a lot of uh, a lot of what we try and do is raising awareness for Francis and what she goes through and what other people with rare diseases and genetic diseases go through um, so that's, I think, kind of what's what's next for PTM Foundation is really looking at, you know, it's expanding research with that. And um, if we can help Francis, we can help a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But within the PTM Foundation, we went and looked back at our hometown of Walsilla, And um, right at the beginning of COVID, there was a school board meeting that was held kind of in secret. Um, you know, this is without the public being there. And under the cover of night, um, in a non-public school board meeting, they, they went out of their way to try and cancel five books out of the curriculum to Mm -hmm. remove books from the curriculum of, a already pretty cash strapped and limited Mm -hmm. education system. So one of the first real proud moments that I had within the foundation was helping to get that book ban, uh, you know publicized mm-hmm. first putting it on blast getting national media attention on that and eventually getting it rescinded and getting yeah. it reversed so there's proof of concept in, of you know some of the some of the stuff that we're doing is uh only as big as the people that we know and yeah. the network that we have and as we continue to tour and meet mm-hmm. new people that network just keeps expanding yeah. so really I, it feels pretty limitless yeah
0: I, I noticed you um, you know when I was looking on social media the Francis changed my life that you guys are doing right now yeah um if we can use the podcast to to make a call to action you know how to do so what what can people do to yeah
1: uh, to get involved yeah I mean uh, it starts with education and we've mm-hmm. tried to put a, a try to put a number of resources through the foundation website so yes. you can go to com. And we've tried to put resources there on the site where we can start with education and, and cool. talk from there. Very yeah, cool. Because if we help Francis, we can help a lot of people. Yeah, awesome.
0: I appreciate that. Um, I didn't want to interrupt because we're talking about very something important. But the tattoo looks fantastic. Yeah, I
2: think that's cool. Well Sick, done, dude.
0: Yeah, nice. really cool. It's a bit. You went with the big boy. I like that. never got big old sword. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I had... Oh, actually, I did have one more question about... Because one thing I thought creatively that was super cool that you guys did with the foundation was the Endangered Song. Yeah. So I was hoping someone would tell the story of that
2: uh, I can, I can on the Pat podcast. I can in on that. Sorry. Well, we didn't come up with the idea. So it was... <laughs> no, it was a... Uh, it was a buddy of ours. Like, who was it that came up with the idea for it?
1: I thought it was through the Smithsonian, no?
2: Well, we linked up with them, but... Yeah. Uh, i Rich would probably say it with him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It was just such a cool concept. Like, uh, it was a connection with the Smithsonian in DC. And we went and played the song at the zoo. But it was, there was 400 too much in tigers left in the world. So we printed the song on this vinyl that degrades with each listen. Mm-hmm. And it came mm-hmm. with like instructions, like hooked up to your computer. Um, and we sent it out to like, you know, people that,
1: People that have influence. Not influencers per se, but
2: people that have influence in the world. Like ben Stiller in China, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but
0: it was super cool. There was only so many copies as
2: there was Tigers, yeah. too, which yeah, is kind yeah, of awesome. Yeah, I, I thought the whole Super thing, rad, it was yeah. Super Biodegradable
1: cool. material that just degradates over time. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I thought it was awesome. That yeah, was that's good. very... I thought that was super cool, and... and but yeah, there we, were there smarter people like, than us behind <laughs> it. We were just, like, happy to, like, contribute Well, you can...
0: Yeah, we, uh... I mean,
2: I like the song too. That was like a B side from. uh,
0: I mean, I've never heard it, so. (laughs) Yeah, I can't,
2: right? Well, that
0: was. Yeah, so means... the campaign failed. Yeah. Like, no, It wasn't, it's only the people who got it
2: could hear it. No,
1: but or... the campaign was share this song, like allow it to. Gotcha. Be so there is, is it, it is out there
2: instructions, like hook it up to your computer so that you can put the vinyl, Sh- then like,
1: Gotcha. Okay. In the, in the same way that if you just let, but it's not digitally copies. out there, right. Or something. Oh, it is. It is now. It okay. Is. You okay. So, you can have... follow... so
0: what is the actual, is not, the not song, a... called song called a...
1: endangered song? It's called Sumat Tiger. Sumat Tiger. Okay. And that's the thing. It's not officially through our channels. Like, right you wouldn't find it on iTunes and Spotify but it and exists now a bunch
0: more people might go find it so and they yeah. it. I, I like a lot too it was a yeah.
2: beast, it was a song that was on the front in the mountain in the cloud yes yeah. okay yeah
0: cool yeah, yeah. which was the very first uh, Portugal main album I listened to oh yeah, yeah. I, actually maybe yeah. mine too I think that mine too.
1: Yeah, between that and Satan Satanist, those are my two favorite Portugal yeah. records yeah. but yeah just such a such a cool idea and it
0: had a vibe man it had a really cool vibe it's the
1: idea that yeah the song would die without invention yeah you know, without some sort of like some sort of help yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. very cool Anything. well guys i appreciate your time i know you're transitioning into getting your tattoo I go now get a tattoo. So, so uh let's wrap this up but i i really appreciate you guys taking the time to do the podcast and uh, uh i'm looking forward to the show tonight appreciate you appreciate it awesome cool again, man. thanks guys yeah thank you wicked